0: the Lord knew that. And I believe the Lord heard the the the, the, this, the prayers of his saints. So I'm very thankful today. And I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 1 and we're going to start at verse 18. Now, I have preached a message on this before, and I have preached it here, I know for sure. And I'm not going to re-preach or re-teach this message, but I do want to go over something because it does pertain to what we're going to speak about tonight. It's Romans 1 and 18, and this is Paul, and he's speaking to the Roman church. Now, he's never been to Rome before, and he's never written to the Romans before. So he's going to be very thorough in his explanation to the Romans, right? Now, when I read this, it's not going to make a whole lot of sense. But bear with me, okay? I don't know. You guys have, uh, uh, have probably heard it, read it before, and you probably thought, what is Paul talking about? But just wait. It says, for the wrath of God, in verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Now, I said a lot of words right there, and I know a lot of it may have just gone right over your head. Like, what is he speaking about, right? What is Paul talking about? You've got to understand it. From the perspective of He's speaking of the Hebrew people, the Jews, Um, they know who God is. They've seen God. They've seen the miracle working hand of God. From the moment that they're little, they're raised up and they're taught about Moses. They're taught about Abraham. They're taught about Noah. They're taught about all these things. They know
1: God. And then in God's eyes, there is no excuse.
0: And it says in 21, this is going to make a little bit more sense. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Neither were thankful. So here are the Hebrews, the Jews, God's chosen people. They have seen miracle after miracle after miracle that has been performed. And yet they still did not worship Him and glorify Him as God. They were not thankful for what they did, for what God had done for them. Think about it. Think about it when they were in the wilderness. They murmured, I wish we were back in Egypt. (laughs) We had full bellies over there. We had leeks and, and meat, and we had all of that. God just parted the Red Sea for you. They, you saw the plagues on Egypt. He parted the Red Sea, and you get on the other side and you complain. They knew God. They saw His mighty power. And yet, even after all of that, they didn't give God glory, and they were not even thankful for what God did. Paul continues to go on and talk about this, that they weren't thankful, and then in 21 he says, but became vain in their imaginations, and in their foolish heart was darkened. What Paul is speaking about, there is a progression to backsliding. And the first thing is, is being unthankful.
1: Not giving God the glory. Being unthankful for what God has already done. I guarantee you a lot of the problems that you will have in any relationship,
0: whether it's God or otherwise, spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, doesn't matter. If you become unthankful and ungrateful for what the other person is doing, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. That's normally where relationships start to veer off and break up because you're not thankful. You become ungrateful for the things that the other person has done for you. God has done so much for us. And yet we, sometimes we find ourselves on this spot where we become unthankful. 22 says, professing themselves to be wise, they became Fools. He's speaking of the children of Israel, knowing God, knowing what God has done. And after all of that, they were unthankful. Tonight, I want to speak about being thankful, being grateful for what God has done. I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel.
1: And I want to talk about David. And I want to talk about one of David's wives
0: Abigail. I'm sure we've all heard this story, and this, is, this shouldn't be the first time that you've ever heard it, but I'm going to try to put it into perspective and narrate it in a way uh, that I think will really be beneficial to us tonight. So 1 Samuel
1: 25 and verse 1. When you have it, say amen. First Samuel 25 and 1. And Samuel died, and all the Israelites were gathered together and
0: lamented him and buried him in his house in Ramah. And David rose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. And there was a man in Moan, Maon, whose possessions were in Carmel. And the man was very great. He had 3,000 sheep and a 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. And the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife, Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and of beautiful countenance. But the man was churlish and evil in his doings. And he was at the house of Caleb, and David heard in the wilderness that Nabal did shear his sheep. And David sent out ten young men. And David said unto the young men, Get you up to Carmel, and go to Nabal, and greet him in my name. thus shall you say to him that liveth in prosperity, Peace be both to thee, and peace to thine house, and peace be to all that thou hast. Now I have heard that thou hast shears, Now thy shepherds which were with us, we hurt them not, neither was there aught missing unto them, all the while they were in Carmel. Ask thy young men, and they will show thee. Wherefore, let the young men find favor in thine eyes, for we come in a good day. Give, I pray thee, whatsoever cometh to thine hand unto thy servants, and do to thy son David." And when David's young men came, they spoke to Nabal according to all those words in the name of David and Seed. So uh, let me help you understand what was going on here. So David came upon this very rich man, very wealthy. His name was Nabal. He had property in Maon. He had property in Carmel. And when, he was, when David's men were in the way, they protected his shepherds. Right? David had a fighting force. He was fleeing from Saul. He had a fighting force, and his men protected Nabal's shepherds. He did a good deed. He helped them out. And he didn't take anything for it. He could have taken a little spoil. Hey, we can have a little lamb chops, right? He didn't do any of that. He, just, he, he, he did it out of the kindness of his heart. He he helped them, didn't ask for anything in return. And it came a certain time when he said, I'm going to go up to Nabal because it's the time of sheep shearing. Now, to us, we're like, what does it mean to sheep shear? But for them, it was something very big. It was a festival. It was a celebration, right? At the time of sheep shearing, it was normally in the spring, and they would have feasting. Right? Kind of like how we're gonna have in a little over a week, right? And in these feasting times, they don't just cook a little bit of food, they cook a lot. They really go out of the way. So, what David is asking is not something that is burdensome, right? He's sending his men to go to Nabal and to tell them, hey, this is David. You can ask your servants what we did for them, how we helped them along the way. And give us what you feel is good for us, you know, because we did a good thing and, you know, he's a rich man. He's got plenty of food to give. They were looking for a little food, little, you know, they were out running away from Saul and, and being chased. And they thought, you know, maybe we can get uh, a bite to eat. We did a good deed here, except a little bit return, uh, uh, get a little bit return on that. And... uh so when, they, when the servants that David sent spoke this to Nabal, in verse 10 it said, Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? There be many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my flesh that I have killed from my shears and give it unto men? whom I know
1: not whence they be. He's like, I don't know you. I don't know David. Should I give my food to you? Should I give my water to you? Verse 12, it says, So David's young men turned their way and went
0: again and told him all those sayings and david said unto his men gird ye on every man his sword and they girded on every man his sword and david also girded on his sword and they went up after david and about 400 men and 200 abode in the stuff so david said all right get your swords ready <laughs> this is an evil man right he wouldn't even see this was even against The law, they were supposed to take in strangers. They were supposed to help people on the way. They were supposed to give, and they didn't, right? Even under the law, if if somebody was a stranger came in, you were supposed to house them, clothe them, feed them, take care of them. And this man Nabal, who had more than enough, said, who is David? Who are you? I'm not going to take food away from my family to give to you. Nabal was not thankful nor grateful for the things that David had done for him. 14. But as one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to salute our master, and he railed on them. But the men were very good unto us. So this is one of the servants telling Nabal's wife, Abigail, saying, hey, our master, he just, he treated these guys terribly. And, but this David is a good guy. He's a good guy. Verse 15, but the men were very good unto us, and we were not hurt, neither missed we anything, as long as we were conversant with them when we were in the fields. And they were a wall unto us, both by night and day. And all the while we were with them, keeping the sheep. So he's saying David's men were like a wall protecting us, protecting our flocks.
1: David's a good guy. 17 says now therefore know and consider what thou wilt do for
0: evil is determined against our master and against all his household for he is such a son of belial that a man cannot speak to him now belial means a son of the devil so this servant was also he told nabal's wife because he knew all right what our master did is wrong. And I'm worried for him, but for us, because evil's gonna come upon us because of what he just said. That's why he went to Abigail. That's why they were telling her, Think about it, what are you gonna do? Verse 18 Then Abigail made haste, took 200 loaves and two bottles of wine, and five sheep ready dressed, and five measures of parched corn, and a hundred clusters of raisins, and two hundred cakes of figs, and laid them on asses. She said unto her servants, Go on before me, behold, I come after you. But she told not her husband Nabal. And it was so, as she rode on the ass, that she came down by the covert of the hill, and behold, David and his men came down against her, and she met them. Now David had said, Surely in vain have I kept all that this fellow hath in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed, and of all that pertained unto him, and he hath requited me evil for good. So and more also do God unto the enemies of David, if I leave not all that pertained to him in the morning light any that pisseth against the wall. So
1: I'm going to kill everybody. 23, and when Abigail saw David,
0: she hasted, lighted off the ass, fell before David on her face, and bowed herself to the ground, and fell at his feet, and said, upon me, my Lord, upon me, let this iniquity be. And let thine handmaiden, I pray thee, speak in thine audience and hear the words of thine handmaiden. Let not, my Lord, I pray thee, regard this man of Belial, even Nabal. For as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But I, thy handmaiden, saw not the young men of my Lord, whom thou didst send. So she's saying, my husband's living up to his name. His name means fool. (laughs) 26. Now therefore, my Lord, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, seeing the Lord hath withholden thee from coming to shed blood and from avenging thyself with thine own hand. Now let thine enemies and they that seek evil to my Lord be as Nabal. And now this blessing which thine handmaiden hath brought unto my Lord, let it even be given unto the young men that follow my Lord. I may pray thee, forgive thy trespass of thine handmaiden. For the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house, because my Lord fighteth the battles of the Lord, and evil hath not been found in thee all thy days. Yet a man is risen to pursue thee and to seek thy soul. But the soul of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of life with the Lord thy God. And the souls of thine enemies, them, shall he sling out as out of the middle of a sling. So she's speaking of what's going to happen to Saul and those that are pursuing David. And that David's houses will eventually ascend to the throne. Verse 30, And it came to pass... And it shall come to pass that when my Lord shall have done to my Lord according to all the good that he hath spoken concerning thee, and shall have appointed thee ruler over Israel, that this shall be no grief unto thee, nor offense of heart unto my Lord, either that thou hast shed blood causeless, or that my Lord hath avenged himself. But when the Lord shall have dealt well with my Lord, then remember thine handmaiden. And David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which sent thee this day to meet me. And blessed be thy advice, and blessed be thou, which hast kept me this day from coming to shed blood, and from avenging myself with my own hand. For in very deed, as the Lord God of Israel liveth, which hath kept me back from hurting thee, except thou hadst hasted and come to meet me, surely there had not been any left unto Nabal, By the morning light, any that pisseth against the wall. So, David decided that he wasn't going to avenge Nabal. That he wasn't going to kill Nabal and all the servants and all of his house because of what Abigail did. Because Abigail realized, she saw and she understood what what David was worthy of. And that what offense that Nabal had performed unto David and that he was worthy. Again, think of the children of Israel as they were wandering through the wilderness. What God was worthy of. He was worthy of praise. He was worthy of being revered as God and not to be murmured. And not to ask to go back and not to worship a golden calf. And the Lord did to the children of Israel. He let them die there in the wilderness. But David is saying here that I'm going to hold off. I'm not going to fight. No blood will be shed. Verse 35, so David received of her hand that which she had brought him and said unto her, go up in peace to thine house. See, I have hearkened unto thy voice and I have accepted thy person. And Abigail came to Nabal and behold, he held a feast in his house like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunken. Wherefore, she told him nothing less or more until the morning light. And it came to pass in the morning when wine was gone out of Nabal, and his wife had told him these things, that his heart died within him, and he became as a stone.
1: And it came to pass about ten days after that the Lord smote Nabal, and he died. And when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord
0: that hath pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal, and hath kept his servant from evil. For the Lord hath returned the wickedness of Nabal upon his own head. And David sent and communed with Abigail to take her to him to wife. And when the servants of David were come to Abigail to Carmel, They spake unto her, saying, David sent unto us unto thee to take thee to him to wife. And she arose, bowed herself on her face to the earth, and said, Behold, let thine handmaiden be a servant to wash the feet of the servant of my Lord. And Abigail hasted and arose and arose upon an ass with five damsels of hers that went after her. And she went after the messengers of David and
1: became his wife. I believe that was David's second wife. And you know, a lot of the times when we read
0: stories like this, we can, we can take things and say, well, David had a lot of wives. He had a lot of concubines. He had a lot of... St-. But there's something that's deeper in this story. Because when you read this story,
1: David is like our Lord. He's like God. And Abigail is the church. Abigail's the bride.
0: Abigail, which her name by interpretation means wise and beautiful. And if you read in the Bible, you will, talk, you will read about the bride of Christ. If you read in Revelations, you'll see how the bride is adorned
1: beautifully. And that's speaking of the Church. So I think when we look
0: at the story, we have to examine the behavior of Abigail and what she did. Her actions and how that she wouldn't, let, she wouldn't let this offense come upon David. And that she bowed herself and she gave and she was thankful and she gave to David all that was due him. All that he deserved because what he did for Nabal was worthy of that kind of treatment. But Nabal was unwilling to treat him that way. Nabal was unwilling to give him what he deserved. But Abigail did. Abigail did. She bowed herself to the ground. She provided, here. here's all this meat, this food, this grain, these figs, these raisins, everything here. It's all yours, God. I give it all to you. It's all yours. That's the church. The church of the living God, the one that God is going to. To marry his bride is going to be one that is giving, one that surrenders, one that humbles themselves, one that that just gives everything to God. Nabal in this story represents the children of Israel. And when you think about Jesus when he came to this earth, what he was worthy of, what he was, God manifested in the flesh King of kings, Lord of lords, walking in human flesh, raising the dead to life. And the scribes and the Pharisees and the leaders of the Jews wanted nothing to do with him. We're looking at every opportunity they could get rid of him. And when I was going through reading this story, I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Luke. This is the one thing that came to my mind when I was reading all this about Abigail and David and, and what Abigail did. And I saw that that's, that's much like the church. And Nabal is, is a lot like the children of Israel, but now it would be to anybody that doesn't give God glory. Anybody that doesn't give God what he deserves. Notice that uh, how he died. It says his heart became a stone. Uh, I didn't bring it up, but in Revelations, you remember the, it says in Revelations that men's hearts will fail them for fear? There's something deeper to this. There's something more. But in Luke chapter 19, verse 28, And when he had thus spoken, he went before ascending up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass that when he was come to Bethpage in Bethany at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying, go you into the village over against you in the which at your entering, you shall find a colt tied wherein yet never a man sat loose him and bring him hither. And if any man ask you why you do loose him, thus shall you say unto him because the Lord hath the need of him. And they that were sent went their way, found even as he had said unto them. And as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, Why loose you the colt? And they said, The Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon the colt, and they set Jesus thereon. Now I want you to understand why they did that. If you read when Solomon became king of Israel, they put him on a donkey. It, 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 was, it, was, it was an indication of the next king that was to come in. That He would ride on David's donkey, Solomon, and that would show all of Israel that this is your king. So this wasn't by accident. None of this was accident. It all happened just the way it was supposed to, the way it was supposed to be written in Scripture, and the way that it happened with the children of Israel. Remember, Jesus was to ascend the throne of David. In the lineage of David. So he got on that cult and here he is or that donkey and here he is riding into Israel. That was an indication to the children of Israel. If they knew their word, that's
1: your king. That is your king that is now entering into the city. 37, and when he was come nigh, even at the descent of
0: the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works which they had seen. Right? All the things that they had seen Jesus do. All the miracles. They were rejoicing. They were giving thanks. They were glorifying God. Because they were seeing their king,
1: Come in. Saying, blessed be the king that cometh in the name
0: of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude, right? These are the Nabals. Said unto the master, rebuke thy disciples. Right? These are the fools, the Nabals. Rebuke. Rebuke. Thy disciples. And He answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. The stones would immediately cry out. Jesus was worthy of this. He was worthy of what was doing. And those people that were crying Hosanna, those people that were laying the palm leaves before Him, those people that were rejoicing Because their king was coming. That's the church. Those were the people that were there in the upper room. Those were the people, the thousands that received the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. Those were the ones that were baptized. It's these people. This was the church. The ones that were giving thanks unto God. And saw him as who he was. Abigail looked at David and she saw David for who he was. He wasn't just some man. And she testified before him, you are going to be the king of Israel. You're not the king right now. Saul is the king and he's chasing you. But what did she say about Saul? God is going to put Saul in a sling and he's going to fire him out. You are going to be the next king. God is going to build your house. And here is Jesus. Son of a carpenter. Not one to to, to be looked upon. He wasn't beautiful. I'm sorry, he didn't have this long flowing hair. He wasn't blonde haired blue eyes. Right? He didn't have this long beautiful hair or brown hair. These glowing eyes. It said he was not one to look upon. So he wasn't a pretty looking guy. Right? But here he is riding on a donkey. And they realize... That is our king. That is our king. Church, sometimes I don't care where we are in our walk with God. We have to acknowledge who we serve. And our God is able. Look, I know that this year hasn't been the best year. I know that last year hasn't been the best year. But we serve an amazing God who is worthy of our praise. Even when we're sick, He's worthy of our praise. You know, I don't care if you're in your bed and you have COVID. God is worthy of praise. You know, my mother-in-law, and I, and, and she didn't want to go to the doctor. She didn't want to go to the hospital. She had COVID for like three weeks. Terrible. I saw her. She was white. White, white. I mean, I didn't even know skin could get that color white. She was white. And she was having a hard time breathing. And I'm sure... You know, her, her, her parents were, were getting upset because they're like, you need to take her to the hospital. You need to take her to the hospital. She didn't want to go. No hospital. Don't want to go to the hospital. And when she was at probably one of her worst times, having a hard time breathing, she got up to her piano and she started playing, giving God glory. She said, she, she, she testifies to that moment, she turned. After that, after she got at that moment and she started playing a song, giving glory to God, she's white, hardly can hardly breathe. She starts singing a song on the piano. And from that moment, just like that, COVID, she, she started to recover from her COVID. See, in that moment, you give thanks to God. I don't know it hasn't been your year. It, it, things haven't been going well. Trust me, I can tell you about things that have been going right for me at work. But you know what? I'm going to give glory unto God because he is able. I'm going to give glory to God for the job that I have that is not going 100%. Right? I'm going to give thanks to God, right? And I think at this time of the year in this season, as we sit down and we stuff our faces and we wear our stretchy pants, you know, to eat food, it's more than just food. It's about giving glory to God. And about thanking God for the family that we have. I know we may have lost people along the way this year, but give God glory because He is still on the throne and He is worthy of all the praise. I don't want to be found not giving glory unto my God for the things that He has done. He is worthy. You know, nobody likes somebody who's ungrateful that you do them a favor and they forget it shortly thereafter and think, well, what have you done for me lately, right? I know, I know, Brother Greg, you experience that as a manager. You'll you'll do a solid, you'll help somebody out. And then sometimes, like a few weeks later, it's like, man, I did this guy a favor, and this guy can't, <laughs> right? He can't help me. I helped him, but he can't, you know what I mean? I understand you know what that's like, but I don't want to be that way to God. I, I read in the Bible of the children of Israel, and they did that constantly. God would perform a miracle, right? They would wake up in the morning. They wouldn't even have to work for food. It was there. It was on the floor. Just pick it up, right? And then they got tired of that. Too much bread, right? Too many carbs. I don't want to eat that. And so the Lord's all, all right, I'll give you protein. So much that you're going to make, it's going to make you sick, right? And then they didn't like that. Where are the leeks? Where are the vegetables, <laughs> right? God is worthy, church. He is worthy of all the praise and all the glory. He is worthy of everything. And I'm telling you, church, I'm, I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to be thankful. I'm, this message is for me because, I, like I said, I've, I've, I, haven't, I haven't felt appreciated at work. I feel like I do a lot for the company, and I don't feel like I get repaid in kind, right? But um, maybe this is a wake-up call for me. Maybe this is a reflection of of sometimes how I treat God. That I'm not as thankful as I should be. And then how it feels to not be appreciated. And if God showed me that lesson, then it's something that I don't want to be accused of doing.
1: Give thanks unto the Lord, church.